Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help or if you need prayer of any kind, you can text the keyword, I need help to 31996. Or if you give your life to the Lord, we would love to know. You can text the keyword, I said yes, to that same number, 31996. Someone from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. That's so very, very kind of y'all. Good morning to you. Good to see all of you this morning. You can say good morning back. There you go. And happy 4th. How was your, how was your 4th of July? Good? Okay. Mine was kind of wonk, 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 wonk. I just had that feeling. You know, our country's a little bit uh, trying to figure out. Is, you know, on most birthdays, you're like, all right, it's our birthday. And uh, because of what's going on in the nation right now, there's a little challenge. There's a little confusion. There's a little... Where are we and how, well, what's going on here? And that's all right. I'm going to speak to that just in a second. Uh, in, in light of that, though, let me, let me just, uh, a couple of things I need to ask of you. One, I think I'm looking at this camera over here, but anybody here, but also those of you that are watching online, anybody that uh, is a part of our body that has actually had the virus, we would like to hear from you. It'd be just, it would help us. Uh, we're both collecting data and uh, working with all the other churches around the area to try to understand what's going on and how we can best respond. And so I would ask that you just communicate that to us, email it, however, however you can do that. That would be very helpful to us. As well, uh, this, this week, you know, there was so much information uh, coming up about Texas. I mean, it's, it's really not a, a big it's not a lot of clear information to say that the numbers are rising in Texas because Texas is big as half the state, you know, we're huge. Uh, what's really important to us is what's happening in Montgomery County, Harris County, the counties around us, as far as how I lead. And, and uh, to be very, very honest with you, I've lost confidence in how the information is dispensed and who's saying it. Everyone's got an agenda, and I'm talking on every side. There's an agenda. And so I was praying about it this week and saying, God, I, I, I believe I need to give leadership. I know I have to give leadership to this. And uh, there, there is some, some data, there's some, some good data that the numbers are increasing here in Montgomery County. And, uh, but I don't, I don't go to the news, I don't go to Fox News to get my data. Uh, I go to the Bible. And the Bible said to get wisdom, you go to a multitude of godly counsel. And so uh, we gathered all the pastors around the area the, these are the elders of the community. And uh, we met and uh, talked and prayed and heard, heard you know, how many folks in each church are getting sick. We met two or three months ago and everybody said, I don't even know anybody that's got the virus. Now many of our churches are, are, are shutting down and going back to online only because threes and fours and fives and uh, several of our pastors have had the virus. And so it is, it is real data that Montgomery County has been spotted by this virus at the very, very least. And I have a responsibility for you to, to, to take care of you. And I know there are 18 different views of it. And I know some of you feel strongly about this and that. And I honestly can't. I, I've, got to, I've got to go with the... When there's 18 opinions, you got to stick straight to, I go to godly counsel. And so I spoke with our elders, and I was on my, my, my deck praying about this, literally praying about it, saying, God, I need 
to just have good godly wisdom as to how to lead right now. And our, one of our doctors called me. Hadn't talked to this doctor in many, many years, actually. Uh, but this doctor called me and he said, hey, Pastor Randy, I just want to let you know, so proud of the way our church has done this and this. I do want to let you know, here's some cautions I have. And from the medical perspective, uh, not political, here's, here's what I'm seeing. I just want to give you that information. So I'm saying that to all of you just to let you know, uh, I, I don't have an ounce of fear. Uh, I'm not moved by all the politics. In fact, you hear me pushing y'all all the time to say, keep your head out of that. Everybody's got an agenda and there's so much confusion out there and I've never seen so many confused evangelicals uh, celebrating craziness. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'll be good representatives of Jesus. Having said all of that though, I do want you to know we are gonna make some changes uh, to, the, to how we're gonna do church throughout July. I've told you we gotta stay nimble. So next Sunday, we're gonna go back to one service, 10 a.m., one service, 10 a.m., we've learned through doing this now a bunch of times that we can accommodate more people. So it'll be to sign-ups, but uh, we, the, the very clear direction that, uh, you know, no precautions at all was not going to be the wise way forward. So, and, and by the way, I just want to let you know, I know there's all kinds of opinions. Please know from, from the, the leadership, we're wanting to do what's best to, to take care of our responsibilities. And so there's no way, as I've said before, we, we can't do what's best for everybody. Uh, we can't do what's best for some. We have to do what's best for most, and that's how we're guiding. And we're really not checking the opinion polls on this one. Uh, we're going to godly counsel, and from that godly counsel, the scripture says, if you need wisdom, there's, count, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. So I've surrounded myself with the most godly men uh, and women to speak, and I believe we've got some directions. So just know, next week, I'll uh, watch your social media stuff, watch all of our announcements coming. I'll get behind the camera here in a few minutes and give you some more detail to that. So next Sunday, let's just stay nimble, and throughout July, back to one service. Most of our folks are gonna be online, but uh, come on in. But it'll, it'll require signups, and we'll have some other things, you know, that we're, we're going to just try to do our very best to keep you protected. All right? Not asking if everybody agrees with that, but can we be in unity that we're all trying to get right before God here? This is the, we're going to get on the other side, and all the fussing and fighting we've done over mask, no mask, and all that, we're going to look back and go, why were we so crazy over that? So uh, just, let's just ride the storm out. Uh, but I, I will say, just from the, the data, you know, credible data that uh, this virus has certainly found Montgomery County and among our churches, uh, it has found its way into our churches. And so uh, anyway, enough said. All right, let's get into the word for today and talk about this craziness that's going on out there. Uh, this is the last sermon in our series, Connect the Dots, and it's actually the first one I was supposed to preach, but every week it got hijacked by the news and we did something different. So I'm going to explain now what you've not understood for the last five weeks the first sermon of Connect the Dots, and you'll go, oh, I had no clue where you were going with this Connect the Dots thing. So, uh, praise God. All right, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 7. To all of our online audience, in a little while, we are going to take communion, so if you want to grab crackers or whatever, I know you guys are folding laundry and coming in and out. I know all that. And uh, so you can go grab crackers and some juice and that kind of thing, because it'll be very important that we take our communion time and have communion together. Acts chapter 7, what's happening here now in Acts chapter 7 is the church has been birthed. That is what we're a part of here 
It has been birthed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus has come. He's risen from the grave. He's gone to heaven. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. And we've reached the next phase of the plan of God. And it's very important that you get into this with me. God, everybody say, God has a plan. Okay. And he's got stages. And I'm going to say this. He's got dots from all of history. And he's connecting the dots. And uh, I'll go ahead and give you a punchline. When you can't see what God is doing in the moment you're in, and right now we can't quite see it all clearly, look over your shoulder and connect the dots. Okay, take that to the, take that to the bank with you, and I'll make sense of that here now in a second. What's happened here is the church of Jesus Christ, it's just a fledging little group of people that are completely zealous. They're full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen is out doing miracles and winning people to Jesus, and he's fighting uh, all of the Jews that were trying to say, no, we're under Moses, we're under the law of Moses, we're, that's what we're under, and all you crazies that are saying Jesus is what the law was pointing at, you're crazy. And so Stephen, the, the, I'll say this, the church, it wasn't where it was going, but it wasn't where it was. It was in transition, and it just felt a bit chaotic, and like, we don't, we're not sure what's going on. That's how it felt when, when, what I'm about to read right here, the first part of the book of Acts is, the church is just kind of getting going, doesn't really know how to define itself. They just know, hey, we love Jesus, we're full of the Holy Spirit, and we're supposed to save the world, and we're willing to give our lives for it different feel to the church at that time. And I will tell you this, we're going to get that feeling back. We're going to get it back. Uh, you watch. So Stephen has uh, insulted, uh, actually he's just preaching the truth, and some of the Jewish uh, sects had uh, come against him to say, hey man, this guy's a lunatic and he's threatening our, our churches and our group. And uh, they bring a bunch of false witnesses, and to get rid of him, they, they bring him before some uh, religious court to say, this guy's blaspheming. And uh, so the Jewish court says, what say you, Stephen? Everybody with me so far? What say you, Stephen? Stephen's just a deacon, not just a deacon, he's a deacon in the church, full of the Holy Spirit, doing great things for God. But he's not one of the apostles, uh, not Peter, James, or John. He's, he's just redneck Stephen. And it says, this was Stephen's reply. This is verse 2. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. That's all I want you to see in that first verse. I'm going to save you some what would probably be boring reading to you for the next 50 verses. Because Stephen says, let's go back to Abraham. I want you to see the God, how God, his hand was on Abraham. Then he said he was on Isaac. And on Jacob, Jacob had 12 uh, sons and those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Those 12 tribes came from that, and that is our namesake. That's how we all got here, fellas. Stephen's doing that, he's walking them through them. And then Joseph, one of his sons, went to Egypt, and Egypt became the place where we, it was kind of like the, uh, the, the, the nurturing uh, kindergarten for Israel to get birthed up and brought up and nurtured up. And we became this great nation, and then God sent Moses. And if you read through that, it would be 50 verses of stuff that if you're in the Bible, you'd go, I know that, I know that. Okay, where are you going? Stephen, come on, you're boring us to death. Da, da, da. We know, we know, we know, we know, we know. And all of these Jewish minds were going, yes, we know that, but here's what I want you to hear. Stephen was trying to help them understand the moment they were standing in that was a bit confusing by going back and saying, let's connect the dots. There was Abraham, there was Isaac, God was in that. And yes, Jacob, 
His name was changed to Israel. We became Israel. The 12 tribes, that's where we all came from. Yes, that was God, and that was God. And then there was Moses, and then there was the law. And yes, that was God, and that was God. But you gotta understand, this isn't a train that just gets somewhere and parks and it's over. This train is on the move from that dot to that dot to that dot. Gang, you need to understand, our God, he's still on the move. This train is still moving. We're not the last dot. We hadn't perfected this dot, and this dot is moving to the next dot, and God has a plan. I'll tell you some of the next dots. We know some of the dots in the future. Jesus Christ is going to return, and he's going to restore this mess back to what it's supposed to be. That is, that is, that's a dot out there, and somehow we're going to get to that dot. This earth is going to be restored. So Stephen basically takes them all the way through and brings them to the current place they're in so that they could see that Jesus is the reference point for all the dots in history, both back and the dots that are yet to come. He was trying to explain, here's your reference point. Again, when all of this craziness started, I began to see in Scripture this, this pattern where Peter, on the day of Pentecost, do you remember on the day of Pentecost, Peter their people are speaking in tongues and they say they're drunk and what's all this? There's confusion, there's chaos. What does Peter do? He stands up and he says, let me take you back and connect the dots. This is that. And he goes back and begins to rehearse the history, right? Coming up to now and he's saying, let's connect the dots. This isn't crazy, this is God. And this dot's moving that way. God is on the move. We're not staying here. We're not just going to be Jewish, law-abiding people. This thing's going somewhere. God's got a plan. When Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, he snuck up behind the two guys. You remember this? Jesus has died. He rose again, and it's Sunday night, and two of the disciples are all discouraged because they're thinking in their mind, man, it's a disaster. The guy we were counting on, our hope, the Scripture says. This is Luke 24. If you want to write it down, go look at it. Our hope was that he was our Redeemer, and we saw him die on the cross. The picture we had in our head of dancing in the end zone and overthrowing Rome, we could see it. We thought this was God's promise. We thought he was the guy. Our hope was that. And Jesus comes and starts walking with them. They don't even recognize him. And, he's, and they're, they're saying, and he says, God, what are you guys talking about? And the guys say to him, are you, and this is, what, this is in the scripture, are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happened? Jesus had to be thinking, actually, I'm the only guy in Jerusalem that does know what's happened. You don't know what's happened. The dots are being connected, and it's on the move. And it says, and starting with Moses, he starts connecting the dots. For seven miles, he's talking to them. And there's Moses, and there's Joshua, and there's the law. What's he doing? He's saying, look, it feels chaotic now. You know, when you get lost, you need to find reference points. I used to fish out on Lake Conroe before all the GPS stuff, and I was still awful at it, but when you get out on Lake Conroe and you're, you're out in the middle of the water, you're trying to look at, at that lighthouse and that green roof over there and that part of the dam, and you're trying to find reference points, fixed points, so that you can get a, a bearing on where you're at. Here, gang, here's what I'm telling you. When it feels like it feels right now and everything looks chaotic out there and crazy, you need to know it isn't, to God, this isn't chaotic and crazy. Go look back over your shoulder and start connecting the dots. Start rehearsing who your God is and how he brought you here. And if he's brought us this far, he's not gonna stop now. And there's some other dots that we hadn't bumped into yet. And God is connecting the dots. That is what he's doing. You can find it in Ezra, you can find it in Nehemiah, you can find it all over the scripture. 
where these guys would go into these long things. So he connected, everybody say connect the dots. So he connects these dots and uh, then kind of unfortunately for him, he says, and by the way, this current reference point, the reference point for all of history, Jesus Christ, you guys killed him. Y'all are guilty of killing the very son of God where all of what our forefathers taught us, all of it was leading and pointing to him and you guys are such idiots. Y'all killed all the prophets like your fathers did and you can kind of see why they got upset with him. And so they are fired up, they are insulted and uh, uh, let's see. Says then the Jewish verse fifty four. So I saved you a lot of time. Verse fifty four. Then the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations. They shook their fist at him in rage, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, "Look." I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man, Jesus, standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And they couldn't hear it. They put their their, uh, hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned him. And Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Here's a guy that in the middle of chaos, and he couldn't even see, why am I having to die right now? I was just getting going, and I'm, I'm one of the good guys nonetheless. He wasn't kind of, a, kind of a current, hip, cool, current Christian. He was a, I'm actually a disciple, and I've found something I'm willing to die for, And like Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain, kill me. I want you to understand something. The next dot that the church of Jesus Christ now is headed toward is to regain not how pampered can can we be by him, but what can happen in us where we're willing to say, the life that I bought into when I received Jesus Christ and the spirit that came in me caused me to be so fearless I don't care what happens in this life. I have the cause of God on my side, and this isn't my last dot. I'm gonna spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. This is just a little slice of what's going to be. I know I'm looking at the trajectory, and I'm looking at the dots behind me, and I'm looking at where it's going, and it gives me peace to know this dot is just this dot, and if I'm done here, then take me to my next dot. I believe that God is doing that, and I I believe part of the shaking that's going on right now, there's gonna be a falling away, the scripture talks about. I think there'll be some folks that fall away because this is gonna get uncomfortable, uh, but you just need to remember, our king, our last orders were not to make converts and not to win people to Jesus by saying, hey, he's gonna make your life just soft and sweet and you're not gonna feel uncomfortable and all this. He said, no, go and make disciples that are people who say, I've given up my life. I don't own it. You own it. And if it costs me my life to follow you, that's what I'll do. That was our last charge from our king. So the church of Jesus Christ has got some growth to do. I do want you to, here's the encouragement though. What we're going through right now, God's not caught by surprise. This train left the station back in Genesis. It left the station and it's on time. And what's happening right now God's not going, oh, we've got to change everything. This thing's unhinged. The the train is off the tracks. No, he's calm as he can be going, yep, 
It's a time of correction because of what the next dot's gonna require. You're gonna need what's happening on this dot. This train is moving, gang. That's what you need to know. Connect the dots of, of, of history. Understand this, God's plan for this world is set and it's on schedule. And we talk about the sovereignty of God for just a second because this is one of those things that evangelicals like to butt heads about. And some think he, every thought you think that uh, he, he caused you to do that and every bite of food you put in your mouth, he preordained it and all that. Not at all. You've got free will and he respects your free will and you can get off the train. You can get out of schedule with, with God. Uh, here's what I want you to know the sovereignty looks like. It really does look like a train. Uh, let me make, make it more of a boat. Uh, if there was a boat leaving uh, Galveston t- tonight and, and, and heading for Cancun, all right? And it's a big old boat. And uh, on that boat, you can make all the decisions you want. You decide where you're going to sleep. You decide where if you're going to get in the pool or not. You decide whether you want to uh, eat or whether you want to, you know, in, in the middle of the night, order cookies. You're on a cruise. You can order all that stuff. What you want to wear, you're making all those decisions. Who you want to talk to, who you don't. You're making all those decisions. And whether you want to fight with your wife or you want to try to be sweet and try to make you know, life good so you're, not, you know, you're stuck on a boat, you better, better think this one through. You get to make all those decisions, though, but here's the one thing that you don't know. That boat, it left Houston, and it is sovereignly on time. It's going to hit Cancun. I want you to understand, when we talk about the sovereignty of God, what he has is times and epics in his hands. It's on a schedule. He knows what he's looking to accomplish. Now, you can make free will decisions that can make your life better or worse or other people's lives better or worse, make your whole Christian walk better or worse. He's not controlling that. You are an individual. You get to make decisions, and he teaches us how to you know, control our mind, if you will. So when it comes to this, I want you to understand God is crystal clear His plan is set, and it is on schedule, and we will get through this because we're headed for the next dot. Acts 17, 26 says this. From one man, he, God, created all the nations. That is, let's say it another way. From one man, he created all the nations, including the United States of America. God made this nation throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand. In other words, he put a plan together, and we can't mess up the plan. He decided beforehand when they, the nations, should rise and should fall, and he determined their boundaries. No, we fought for and we determined it would be Canada to Mexico and from one coast to the other, from Florida over to... No, you didn't. No, we didn't. God established this nation. That's what this nation has forgot. This thing was birthed by God. He set its boundaries and he's determined when it would rise. And if we're falling, it's for a reason And it's going to fall until he's done with his plan. And it's on a schedule, but we're in his hand. His purpose was for the nations, the United States, to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from us, for in him we live and move and have our being or exist. In other words, God's plan and everything he's doing is to cause men and women of the United States to begin to recognize, I'm not in charge and I can't see where I'm going. I'm I'm groping in the dark. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? But... We don't have to look hard. He's not far away because in him we live and move and have it. You're bumping into him every which way you turn. We live and we move and we have our very existence with every oxygen uh, we put in our lungs. He's here and his plan is here. And if you'll just say, God, save me, 
He'll save you. All of you listening right now that don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you've said some prayer, but there's been no change in your life, I just want to challenge you to examine your life right now because this train's leaving the station, and with or without you, it goes on where it's going, and you have opportunity to give your life to Christ. But it's not this mamby-pamby stuff we've been pitched for the last 30 years about how comfortable he's going to make your life. It's about giving you a life like Stephen where the Spirit of God is so strong that instead of asking and begging for all the creature comforts you can beg for, you start to recognize, wait a minute, I'm willing to suffer because now I've got something inside me I'm willing to die for. I believe it to my toenails. I believe it like that. There's a salvation available to you, and it doesn't sound like just being saved or I said the prayer. It's about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. The next dot for the church of Jesus Christ in these United States is to no longer just simply pamper already overly deluged Christians with more information. In fact, it's not even about having church inside the building. It's about what happens Monday to Saturday. I don't know much about what it is the next dot looks like, but I know the the deep convictions that are going on inside of me as I pray for our fall, as I pray for 2021, as I pray for right this moment. I believe God spoke to me and he said, Randy, for the last 40 years, you've learned how to do church and people do church well and people come to it. The next dot looks like this. I want to show you how to be the church. You've built these great churches. You've built great barns. Now you're going to go get, you're going to go get the harvest. And it, you can't do it by sitting in the church and having cooler tunes, cooler smoke. We can't do this any better. This is great. He's not doing away with the church. He's adding to it. He's saying, and now go get them. This train is moving. God's got a plan. Isaiah 46, 9 says, remember the things I've done in the past. There it is again. Remember what I've done. Connect the dots. For I alone am God. I am God and there's none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it ever happens. How can he tell us the future before it ever happens? Because he pre-planned it. He set it on a schedule and it's going to happen. God is in charge. Everything I plan will come to pass for I do whatever I wish. I don't know why that just is like, go God. I do what I want to. That's the privilege of being God. And I saw yesterday some, some guy saying, you know the difference between me and God? He never thinks he's me. <laughs> I do whatever I wish. God's in charge, gang. Everybody say, connect the dots. Second thing I see here, and I thought Pastor Dallas did a great job when he preached the message this uh, couple, two or three weeks ago, talked about when you're seasick in chaos, you look for a fixed point. It'll help your seasickness. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken so that those things that cannot be shaken can be revealed. And what cannot be shaken is the Lord Jesus Christ. Stephen, when he was going through this chaos and about to be stoned, watch what he did. He began to look for Jesus. Where's Jesus? And he spotted Jesus. I want you all to know right now, in the middle of all this, it might feel like everything, that that you're in chaos. I want you to know, Jesus, you can find Jesus. I'll help you find him in just a second. In chaos and confusion, remember your history with Jesus. Uh, Here's what David said. I am losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. This is my condition. But I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you've done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. 
I thirst for you in a parched land, uh, land, like a parched land thirst for rain. In a time like this, when you can't quite see clearly what God is doing right now, look over your shoulder and begin to remember what he's done for you. It is good, and uh, some of you young people, you'll, you'll grow into this. It, it's good to be 57, although I don't look that old, uh, 57, because I've got enough life on me now to look over into some of my years of chaos, and I can go, you know what, our, our mid-20s and early 30s just felt like chaos a lot of the times, but now looking back, I go, wait a minute, he was there all the time. I can see what he was developing in me. I can see what I need right now that I wouldn't have got had I not gone through some of the hell I went through back in some of those seasons. Because it's, you think, God, would you please bless me with this? And he goes, you want me to bless you with that strength or that thing? Sure, I will. And you think he's just going, somebody's going to lay hands on you and go, whoo, like, I got it. That isn't the plan. You be careful what you pray for. Because he's going to send you to the gymnasium where those muscles get flexed. And uh, you're not going to get some injection to get those muscles. You're going to have to actually work them. And uh, that's his way, gang, because that way you're not guessing. This isn't mama's religion. You know God because you put that car out there and test drove it yourself. That's what a witness is. I, I, I don't know everything, but I can tell you what he's done in my life. I've got enough years on me. I was, I was young, but now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or, or seed begging bread. And I can stand in moments of chaos, and I can stand right now and say, I'm currently standing in the future that I watch had anxiety and fear over. I used to worry about this future back when I was in my 20s. Well, I, I'm standing in it right now, and it's better than I've ever thought. So I've got enough on me where I can look over and I can remember, and I can spot Jesus by connecting my own dots. Okay? Connect the dots, gang. God's been at work in your life this whole time. Secondly, look for Jesus and know he's here by faith. Look for Jesus and know he's here by faith. Uh, Stephen looked up and gazed and saw, saw Jesus. I want to kind of bring you back just very quickly, and I'm trying to move through this quickly because I've got about three sermons I'm trying to get done so I can get the series finished. Uh, but on the road to Emmaus, let's go back there. Jesus was walking with these two disciples right? For seven miles, and he's unveiling the word. He's unloading the word to them. And uh, again, you just, I'll just read it for yourself. From Mo, you know, began with Moses. He goes all through this stuff. It gets to be evening, and uh, Jesus acts like he's going to keep walking, but the other disciples, being good Jews and loving the conversation, said, hey, sir, please come eat with us. And so he comes, and he sits down. And when he sits down, he takes the bread and he blesses it, and he breaks it. And when he broke the bread, it says, their eyes were opened, and they realized, that's him. That's the guy. You're Jesus. Again, it's like that commercial where, there's a commercial where this you know, safe driver, save 40%. You ever seen that guy? He, he, this guy goes into a restaurant, and he's a representative of this insurance, and everybody in the restaurant goes, hey, that's safe driver, save 40%. Hey, that's so the guy, that's safe driver, save 40%. They all point at him. These guys are looking at Jesus going, safe driver, save 40%. That's totally the guy. That's just, that's totally the guy. Jesus is there, and I don't know when he picked up the bread. You know, I, I try to picture in my imagination, perhaps, the scars. They saw the scars and went, 
And when he broke the bread, he disappeared. And here's what they said. In essence, we knew it all along, but not with these eyes. They were looking with these eyes. They were thinking with this situation. They were looking at the chaos. They were looking in their imagination going, when we thought he was gonna redeem us, we thought he was gonna redeem us from Rome. But they said this, didn't our heart burn within us? Didn't our heart just burn within us? Gang, I need to push you a little bit. You're gonna go, oh, pastor, you're being emotional. Oh, you're being ethereal, you're whatever. Look, behind everything you see with these eyes physically, there's a spiritual reality behind it. And you have to train your spiritual eyes to see it. Jesus spoke to all the churches in Revelation and said, look, it's for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. Doesn't mean these eyes and these ears. It means can you see what I'm doing behind this reality? All this craziness and news and you know, just nuttiness that's going on in our world and in our nation. There's something behind it. And it's a spiritual problem and if our problem is spiritual, you can't vote it out and you can't vote it in. You can't fix it like that. And you can't get angry enough and tweet sanctimonious craziness all through all the Twitter feeds and all the social media. That isn't fixing anything. It's just venting your emotion. And you can't get all caught up in emotion because nobody makes a good decision when you're all fired up. You need to take a step back. Didn't our hearts burn within us? You gotta quiet your heart and your soul. When this whole COVID thing started, I started coming here early in the morning. I couldn't wait to get here because I'd sit right there because it was so confusing and I felt pressure. Lord, I've gotta lead well and who the heck knows what's going on here and you're not being a lot of help either right now because I need to know. And he began to teach me. When you don't know what God's doing in the moment, it's because he doesn't want you to know just yet, but here's what you can do. Go connect the dots. Look at what he has done. This train's on schedule, my friend. God's, God's not out of control. This thing's, there's a point to what's going on right now. But I would sit right there, and God, I believe Jesus Christ would sit right beside me. Couldn't see him with these eyes, and I didn't know it till about two weeks in. Every morning he would say, Isaiah 45, Isaiah 55, Isaiah 11. I, I read Isaiah like I'd never seen the book before, and it just... Stuff came out of that that I thought, oh my God, I've never seen that. And it took me a while. And here's what you, Jesus was with those guys the whole way. They just couldn't see it. But they had an indicator and it's subtle. Didn't your heart burn? He's looking for something right here. I'm telling you, it took me about two weeks to realize Jesus was in this room the whole time. I just couldn't see him. Used to sing a song and gang, take some comfort in this old song. He was there all the time, patiently waiting. Gang, you can't see him with these eyes, but if you'll quiet and still your soul, and that's why you gotta get your head out of all this news and all of that, figure out what's going on, but don't get caught up in the emotion. You can't hear clearly. You gotta back down and quiet your spirit and your soul and look for Jesus with spiritual eyes. Didn't our hearts burn? In other words, there was an indicator, it just wasn't clear. Important we do this game. So we look for Jesus in our history. We look with spiritual eyes to understand what's going on right now. And in this chaos, gang, understand this. God is connecting us to the next dot. God's connecting us to the next God. God's got a plan. We're moving somewhere. The reason it feels like the ship's moving, because it's moving. 
All right. Um, that's where to go from here. Let me read you this, and then I'm gonna just tell you what I feel, and we'll take communion, we'll be done. Romans 8 says this. Now, I want you to picture what you're watching on your news right now, and you need to hear this. It says, for all creation is waiting eagerly. That's humans and the, the planet itself. It's waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal his, who his children really are. Uh, New King James says, uh, for a revelation of the sons of God. In other words, who are the real believers? We're the real ones. The lost and the chaos and the planet itself, the trees and the dirt and the atmospheres. Oh, let me read it to you. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. When sin entered the world, brokenness on every side happened. God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So there's a dot. There's a dot out there, and someday everything misaligned by sin will be done away with, and we will be realigned with our God and with one another and with ourselves and with this planet as God designed it from the beginning. That's a dot. We're headed there someday we're going, and there's a hope in us. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pain of childbirth right up to this present time. What's going on right now in, in, in our planet and in this nation right now is a groaning like a, like a woman who's getting closer and bigger and it's, it's the eighth month and it's eight and a half months and it's nine and the baby's late and the pain is on, and she's wringing her husband's neck and said, you did this to me. There's a, there's a pain because we're trying to produce something, but here's what, we're here's what the, when you turn on your news, they're not really looking for a politician. They're looking for the real sons of God. Now listen, that's, that's the Bible gang explaining what's going on right now. Creation is crying out. Does anybody really believe this stuff? Are there any true sons of God? I'll say it another way. Over the last several years, and I'm gonna be so blunt with you, uh, let it be it'll be uncomfortable for just a few minutes, but we have to be sober and recognize the strategy of the enemy. What you're seeing with your physical eyes, there's a spiritual reality behind it. And the chaos we have is because our nation and its 244th birthday, at some birthday, and I don't know how long it was, it was established by God and built on God, but at some point, God said, I'm not coming to your birthday party because you've asked me to step aside and now there's enough of you where every man does what's right in his own eyes. I'm just gonna step back out of the way and let you have it and we create the mess that we have here. But you need to know we don't, we don't wrestle with human things and politics. We wrestle with powers and principalities and demonic forces that are behind the scene and we think that they're idiots. They are not idiots. They're strategic, and right now, while the United States is trying to figure out, is there a godly voice that's credible, what the enemy has done over the last number of years is if you're a white pastor and you step to a public microphone, more times than not, you're not representing God, you're representing the Republican Party, 
And that has been the picture painted now for the last five years so that any white pastor that steps up to say, I have a word from God, everyone already thinks what you're really saying is you're in the, you're in the boat with Donald J. Trump and the, and the, and the radical right. That, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just simply saying the enemy has painted that picture to take away the credibility of any white pastor that would stand up and say, hey, here's, here's a word from God. On the other side, every reverend, black reverend, who is a part of the evangelical church who steps to a microphone, over the last number of years, most of those black reverend have been speaking on behalf of the Democratic Party. So that when Americans who are crying out for a revelation of the sons of God, we're the real godly men who have a word from heaven. We've so associated ourselves with this political nonsense that's going on, and the church has bought in hook, line, and sinker, and it's been a ploy of the, the enemy, and we bought it. We've bought it so that anybody that would stand up and say, I am not here to represent white people or black people or Republicans or Democrats. I, I am here to represent the king of all kings to speak to this nation. I've been with God. I've heard from God, and I'm speaking on his behalf. This is the spiritual cry that's happening in our nation right now. Where are those people? If you want to know where the next dot is, God is saying, I'm going to bring revival to you, not like you think. I'm going to raise some of those people who have credibility and a credible witness, who are not saturated and drunk in politics. Joe Biden may look like the ancient of days, but he is not. And the J in Donald J. Trump does not stand for Jesus. These are human beings, horribly flawed men doing the best they can, I'm sure. Tony Evans says it's the best, gang. You gotta hear this. It's a credible voice, and he says it this way. If God is your problem, then God is your solution. And you can't vote him in, and you can't vote him out, and you can't vote a solution to something that he has said, this is going to be a problem for you until you turn to me. And the enemy has, has taken away the credibility of the church by linking us with one party or the other so that anybody that stands up, it just looks like more political blah, blah, blah. God, I hope you're as sick of it as I am. If not, I'm going to pray you get up tonight at 12 and throw up. Just throw your guts up and go, I cannot take another minute of being trapped in this bondage of a... I would cuss if I could. I, the, 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 I'm, I'm insulted that the enemy has, has gotten us like this. And nonetheless, when we see it, we plant our foot and go, uh-uh, this far, no further. I'm not, I am not playing this. I will separate myself I'm going to speak for God. I'm not going to fill my head full of a bunch of this political nonsense. I'm not going to act like, you know, we've so bent our convictions to fit whatever political party we're in. So much mixture, God Almighty, we fell for it. This is the mess we get for it. The creation is crying out, where are the real sons of God? 
It'll take a work of the Spirit. And I don't think it's seven nights of revival with, with shouting and singing. Maybe it'll be that. I'm not looking for that. It'll be God filling his people with a freshness and a purity and a repentance. It's not time to stand up in anger and tweet uh, till midnight. It's time to bow your knee and say, God, you are God Almighty. We humble ourselves and we ask you, God, forgive us for buying into this nonsense. Fill us with what it is we need so that the church will actually look more like Stephen who say, God, I'm willing to die for you. I don't understand what's happening right now, but I know you've got a plan and I know you've got a plan for this nation. I wanna be a part of that. That's the next dot. You need to hear me. The next dot, it's really, really close and the train's leaving the station. There's a purifying coming to his church. Stephen died not knowing what the next dot was, but here's what he knew. I'm looking at Jesus, and he's got this, so I'm willing to die right now. And you know what? The next dot was standing right there. God's next move was standing right there. The scripture says, they laid their coats at the feet of a man named Saul, whose name would be changed to Paul. You look in Isaiah, and you see God planting the dots. Isaiah 42, another one of my Isaiah visits, says that Jesus is gonna be a light to the Gentiles, and to this point, Stephen was dying, trying to reach Jews, and yet, the next dot, God put his finger on a man that didn't even know he had had a finger put on him, and he watched a great man die and give his life for a conviction saying, look, Jesus, I'm dying for Jesus because he's my reference point, and I can show you how it all went together. Now, I want you to know, Paul kept trying to yank Christians out of houses and kill him out of his own arrogance and pride, but I promise you, he dove out of bed a few nights with nightmares looking at the face of Stephen going, there was something about that moment. Something about that, because I know those reference points too, and I never put them together like that until chapter nine, two chapters later, God knocks him on his keister and says, hey boy, why are you persecuting me? And the light came on. And you'll find that Paul in Acts 13 preaches the same sermon going back to the Jews. Let's go back to Abraham. And he starts connecting the dot. And he says, because y'all are such so horsey, I'm leaving you and God's calling me to the Gentiles because I'm the next dot. Gang, where we're standing right now, I want you to know the next dot is somewhere around us. We can't quite see it, but you need to know God's got a plan. What we need to do is just have our hearts and minds open, and we need to be humble, gang, which means teachable. Loosen up your mind. We're experts on everything. Eh, no, we're not. Or we'd have gotten this fixed. We're dealing with God here. We need to humble ourselves. We need to open up ourselves. We're not done. We're not dying on this dot. I'm not dying on this dot. We're headed for the next dot. All right. One of the keys is that we look for Jesus. So as we conclude, and I'd ask the worship guys to come. Gang, over these next number of weeks, I'm having a surgery done, but I'm also taking some, some time off from teaching. And, and, and I'm praying and seeking God about the fall. I'm seeking him about 2021. Our church is gonna change the way we look to some degree. I mean, we're, we're on the hunt now. What does the next dot look like and what is church going to look like? Yes, we'll still have great church, but it isn't gonna be about just having great services. Many of you are sitting there with a call of God on your life, but you've gotten so comfortable not activating it or you've been afraid to activate. We're gonna talk about what it means to be a member 
of the body of Christ and be used of him for this end time harvest. And some of you are thinking right now, just like Paul was there, had no clue God had his finger on him, no clue that he was the next dot. There are people sitting right here going, yep, I've heard it before, hallelujah, I'll cheer somebody on and I'll write a check and you have no clue. That isn't all you're gonna do. You're dying to have purpose, but you've been too afraid and you've kind of bought into God, insulate me, and that's the kind of Christianity you've lived. There's an awakening coming, but it's not gonna, it might scare you at first, but you're gonna get to live a portion of your life fully living for something that's worth giving energy and time to. And actually, in the down deeps of your heart, that's really what you want. You're dying for it. We just talk each other out of it by this pablum Christianity. Jesus, our leader, on the Thursday night, okay, so let's start to look for Jesus. This is one of the ways you, you look for Jesus in a time like this. Yes, in worship. Did y'all notice, by the way, when we say, there's a song called King of Kings. It was the number three song, right? King of Kings. Do you remember some of the lyrics? There was something about, there was something about the birth of Jesus, right? How the prophet comes, and he talked about how Jesus would, would be born, right? What's the next phrase, something about? To fulfill the law and prophets. To fulfill the law and prophets. I want you to hear it. Something started to warm up in this room when we were singing it. You know what we were singing? We were connecting the dots. We were looking back and going, the law and the prophets predicted that the baby Jesus. So an angel came and visited the virgin. And the reason our hearts start warming up and heating up when we sing these songs that actually just start pronouncing our history and how Jesus redeemed this world, it's because we're connecting the dots and faith starts to rise to go, that's right. This isn't just a happenstance moment. This thing's been planned a long time ago and the answer for our problem was planned before we even knew we had a problem. Our God is marching forward. I want you to know when we come to this table right here, our Jesus is not sweating one second right now. Right now, though, we need to anchor down, get our heads out of all this anxiety and look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So this is one of the ways we do it. I would encourage you, possibly, that you start to increase this in your private life. Just take a few moments, meet with Jesus. And uh, I don't have time to do with you what I did in the first service. Let me just give you a very, very quick thing. On that Thursday night, Jesus Christ, these Jews had done Passover hundreds of years. They had certain songs they sang, certain bitter stuff they did and stuff they ate, and it was a big tradition. And for the first time, he's sitting with the disciples, and instead of going through all of the Passover traditions, he went, guys, it's changing tonight. We're not gonna sing those songs, we'll sing some songs, but you need to know, this is my body broken for you. And this is my blood spill for you. I'm the lamb slain and I'm redeeming you. And in essence, what Jesus was doing is saying, guys, tomorrow I'm going to die. So tonight I want you to understand your inheritance because everything that's mine, you're going to get tomorrow when I die. First Corinthians says this, every time you take communion, you do proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim it until he comes. By the way, even in that language, think about it. You proclaim the Lord's death, past, dot, until he comes, future dot. That's how you get your bearings. 
This thing's planned. Guys, I want you to know, I'm leaving you my inheritance. It's not money. Here's what I'm leaving you. Everything that's mine, I give to you. And I'm gonna take everything that's yours and I'm gonna pay for it. Here's the most important thing in the inheritance. Right now, what I own is I have perfect acceptance from the Father and I can call him Father because he's, he's, my, he's genuinely my dad. Tomorrow when I die, I'm leaving that to you, it's all yours. Tomorrow when I die, I'm gonna take your place on the cross so you can take my place at the table. You're gonna become family. Right now I'm the sole owner of sonship, but I'm leaving it all to you. It's yours. And every time you come to this table, it's for you to rehearse. My righteousness, it's perfect. Tomorrow when I die, I'm leaving it to you. And every time God looks at you, you're as righteous to God as I am right now. I'm leaving it to you. You'll become the righteousness of God in Christ. He, God, made him Jesus who knew no sin to become sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. How righteous is that? It's in the inheritance. I'm leaving it all to you. The separation tomorrow, my father's gonna, gonna separate himself and I'm gonna cry out and it'll be worse than any punishment I've ever felt. But I'm leaving you my acceptance. Every time you come to this table, it's to reassure yourself. He's got you. You're a partaker in the inheritance. The inheritance is yours. In this chaos, settle your heart. You're a child of the king. You're a child of the king. I'll tell you something else. The same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you. It's part of the inheritance. The same willingness to die for God. Every one of the apostles, save John, go figure, I'm sorry, save John was martyred. For those of you that know, the, the inside joke is, anyway, you'd have to be here for years. I pick on John a lot. But here's the point. Part of the inheritance I'm, I'm praying for for us it's been very innocent, really, just innocently we've picked up. We've, we've had salvation calls that say, hey, if, are you lonely? Do you feel bad about yourself? Uh, do you wanna have friends? Come to Jesus and he'll make your life all better. We've completely left out the, just the truth, which is this really isn't about your comfort. That's not why Jesus died. He died to give you a life that you would say, come hell or high water, life or death. Man, something's happened to me. I'm not trying to find my identity in all my accomplishments and who likes me and who you know, likes my pictures on Facebook. I, God has given me an identity where I'm subtle, I'm God's. Long as he wants me here, I'm here. When he's done with me, I'm out. My eternity's fixed. That's in the inheritance. I wanna give you that. Man, we're the, we're the children of the most high God. And we're his warring faction. On the, he left it to the church to get the job done. 
and he's equipped us to do it. This morning, I just want you to be encouraged. Kind of drink in some, yeah, that's right. That's what this is about. Remember me. Every time you come to it, remember what you got in the inheritance. Still yours. All right? You'd hold the bread up. Lord Jesus, the day you were betrayed, the night you were betrayed, thank you that you didn't take time to have your feelings hurt. It was a deep betrayal. You could have called the disciples around and talked bad about Judas, sent emails and posted all kinds of stuff. You didn't even take time to feel the pain of that betrayal. You kept straight on course, Lord. The spirit of offense did not keep you from fulfilling the call on your life. Lord, there's men and women in this room that the spirit of offense has shackled them and given them an excuse to say, because church people have hurt me, I'm not gonna do it anymore. I break the power of that right now by the power of this meal. Let a grace come. I will be offended. I will be rejected. I will be misunderstood. And it will not cause me to not fulfill God's call on my life. I will have a grace. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he moved right past it and fulfilled his duty. He took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Remember your inheritance. Remember who you are. You're a child of the most high God. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your body and taking our punishment on the cross. We're very grateful. Would you bless this bread as we take it? Gang, let's take it together. Lord Jesus, this juice represents your blood and you told the guys, I'll never drink this again with you until you're in heaven with me. But you guys, every time you drink it, think of me. Remember, remember this moment. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you that it, there's no rival in my life. There's nothing that could disqualify me from heaven at this point because the blood of Jesus is so for me. What could possibly be against me? Thank you that your blood speaks a better word about me. Right now, the blood is speaking on my behalf. And Lord, I just, I just raise the blood of Jesus over this church and just say the blood of Jesus over the Crossing Church, the blood of Jesus over our families, the blood of Jesus over our future, the blood of Jesus over Montgomery County, the blood of Jesus over Texas, the blood of Jesus over your church, the blood of Jesus. We overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and being so full of the spirit, you could kill me and I would still stand for God. I don't love my life unto death. We overcome by these things, by the blood of the lamb, by connecting the dots in our own life and by being willing to die for it. Let that same spirit come. Refill your church in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb that washes away our sin. We're so grateful to you, Lord Jesus. Would you bless the cup as we take it? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, gang, why don't you stand to your feet? Sing one more song here. 
be encouraged, be encouraged, be encouraged. I, I would ask be in prayer for me over this next little teaching break that I'm going to take because my thoughts and prayers are going to be seeking God for what happens in August and through the fall. We've got some great, great people that will be coming to speak to you. Remember, next week, 10 a.m., one service. God bless you guys. Love you. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Or you can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc.